Welcome to the IC Made On podcast. We are so glad that you have chosen to listen online. If you would like to know more about who we are, why we exist, our service times and location, or how you can get involved, then check out our website at icmadeon.com. We hope you enjoy the message today. Right, good morning. How are you guys? Welcome to IC Made On. I'm so excited to see you. I'm excited about the message today. I'm excited about any first-time guests that we have, any VIPs. I just want to welcome you personally. I'm Pastor Chris. If this is your first time, you probably don't know me. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here and uh, just excited to have you with us today. I have a new mic. Does that sound okay? It's, it's being worked on. I don't know what to do with my hands now. It's like hands in my pocket. I'm, I'm ready. If Nemo needs me next service, I could just flip this on and back him up. Nemo, I'm ready. Uh, so, uh, you know, actually, these microphones scare me to death. Uh, you know, you know, if you, you have this attached to you and everyone in here can hear, like, what if I, I leave and walk outside? There's always the fear for pastors. Like, what if you go to the restroom and leave the mic on or something, you know? Or I was speaking at a service in the U.S. one time. The pastor had on one of these. He turned the service over to me. He went out in the lobby. He still had his mic on. I start speaking, and then we hear him in the lobby. Apparently, he ran into a mom with a new baby, and in the entire auditorium, we hear him out there, oh, you brought your baby? Oh, he's such a cute little thing. He's such a cute. We could hear it in the auditorium. I had to quit preaching for a minute, like, uh, you know, because it's blasting through the mics. So this scares me. Even, I couldn't even talk to the guys over here. Like, Gary was beside me. I was like, we got to do hand signals because I don't know, am I on or am I off? So anyway, it's on. I'm excited you're here today. I'm excited. This is week two of Running With Giants, the series that we're going to do over the next few weeks. Last week, we heard from Isaiah, and uh, the, the whole idea of this is talking about the giants of the faith. When I say running with giants, what we're doing each week is, is learning to run with the heroes of the faith. We're learning to be heroes of the faith. We're learning to, to be giants of the faith because none of us want to live this life just mediocre, right? Are you with me? Anyone here like, no, I'm, I'm good just being okay. Like, I just, I just, no, we want to be great. We want to be amazing. We want to do amazing things. For God, no one wants to be just like, I want my life, if they grade my life, it's like a C. Anyone? Oh, you want an A plus, right? So that's what this is. It's all based on Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. We read this last week, and it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So we know in Hebrews 12, 1, he's referring to chapter 11 when he talks about all of these heroes of the faith, all of the giants, all of these men and women that he said did amazing things for God because of their faith. He says, I can't even list all of them because there's so many. And then in verse 1 of the next chapter, he says, therefore, or because of that, Let's run our race well. It's a challenge for each of us today if we're, if we're getting what that verse implies that it's possible these giants of the faith are watching us and how we run our lives, 
how we run our race, how we live this, this journey. If we stop and think tomorrow when we get up and we start going about our day that, that Moses might be watching us, saying, hey, come on, you can do it, run harder. Or, or Abraham or, or Paul or Peter watching us, Esther or Rebecca. It really, really makes you think about how you want to live your day. Like yesterday, I didn't have a bad day, but we went and watched Peter Rabbit. It was, it was awesome. It was so funny. Nothing wrong about seeing Peter Rabbit, but I had this thought for a moment. Is Moses watching me right now? Like, this looks so un-Moses-like. I'm just watching rabbits. You know, I, I don't know. Do you ever think like that? Maybe I'm getting off on a rabbit trail, if I could say that. But anyway, uh, what we're going to do this week is look at the life of Jacob. So each week we're talking about these heroes that are watching our lives, and what if one of them could come down and just spend the morning with us and give us some tips. Hey, here's what I experienced. Here's, here's how God was with me. Here's how I knew God. Here's how I ran my race. And if we learn how they ran, it will help us know how to run. So let's look at a bio of Jacob first. We had one last week for Isaiah. I just like to share some facts just so we know who we're talking about. Jacob lived almost 2,000 years before Jesus. He was born around the 1870s BC. He died at the age of 147 years old. He is the grandson of Abraham. That's pretty cool. His, his granddad was Abraham. His dad was Isaac. Jacob was the father of the sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. We talk often about Joseph. He's another hero of the faith. Jacob was Joseph's dad, the Joseph that became the number two of all of Egypt. Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel, which for me in Jacob's story, <clears throat> I, can never, I can never think about Jacob without this interesting story of his wives. If you know the story of Jacob, you'll know what I'm talking about. So I'm just going to, to address this issue. Jacob was, he left home, he's going to his uncle Laban, and he's going to get work. Do you remember this story? If you haven't, after I finish this, you're going to go home and read this. You're going to want to read this. It's Genesis chapter 29. He goes to Laban, and his uncle has this beautiful daughter, Rachel. And even in Scripture, it says she's beautiful. If the Bible says you're beautiful, you're beautiful, right? You know what I mean? Like, God's not lying about that. Though as sad as that they mentioned two sisters, and only one is mentioned it beautiful. I, I always feel bad about Leah. Rachel was beautiful. Leah had tender eyes. It's kind of like the biblical uh, version of Rachel was beautiful, but Leah had a great personality. You know, so I don't know. You know what I'm saying. Okay, L Jacob goes there. He falls in love with Rachel, and he wants to marry her. So he says this. He, he makes this plan with his uncle. Hey, I'll work for you for seven years, and after that, you give me Rachel to be my wife. So that's the plan. And he works to have his wife. And then in verse 21, it says, Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed. He finished his work. So Laban gathered together all of the people of the place and made a feast. They have this big wedding party. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Jacob went into the, the place where Leah was. Okay, 
Jacob was in love with Rachel, right? They have the big wedding party, but then the, the uncle brings Leah to the room. It says, Laban gave his female servant, servant Zilpah to his, uh, his daughter Leah to be servant also. Here's the thing. It, verse 25. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. That scripture verse just really throws me off when I read that. Jacob's in love with Rachel. He works to marry Rachel. They have the wedding party. He goes into the tent so they can have their wedding night. And then the next morning, behold, it was Leah. Like, how dark was the tent? You ever think, like, you know, we talk about when we get to heaven and we can sit down with these giants of the faith. I just want to sit down with Jacob and say, how? How did you not know all night? Leah, what are you doing here? I've been here all night. We're married. What? How does that get? Sometimes guys can be slow, but how slow could you be? Like, uh uh-oh, I accidentally married Leah, and I've been with her all night and didn't realize it. I don't know. Does that, does that catch any? You ever read verses and you're like, I really need to ask some questions. How dark was the tent? Did you not talk at all? It's so funny how dramatic. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. Imagine his surprise. He thought he was going to wake up next to Rachel. Whoa. I don't know. And this is the, where it connects a little bit. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? So this is where I can connect it a little bit. It's interesting that Jacob was deceived because Jacob is someone who was known for deceiving other people. His life, he spent lying and cheating and deceiving and manipulating. He was a a deceitful trickster. He wanted to have control. He wanted to control everything. He wanted everything his way. Even this plan when he goes to Laban, he's, he's making this plan. Hey, I'll work. I, I want Rachel. I'm going to do this to get Rachel. He's, he wants to control everything, wants everything his way, even from his birth. Jacob has a twin brother, Esau. Esau is born right before Jacob. And it says in Scripture that as Esau is being born, as he's coming out of his mother's womb, Jacob takes his little hand and grabs onto Esau's foot. You know, he's like, I want to be first. He's not saying that. He's an infant, you know. But, but he must, I, I want to be first. I don't want to be the baby brother. He's sti- even, even in birth, he's wanting control. He's wanting to manipulate the situation. He's, he's trying to control the whole thing, even from birth. That's what his name Jacob means. Jacob means grabbing the heel of the foot or one who tries to trip up, one who tries to deceive or manipulate or trick. And Jacob tried to control and have his own way his whole life, struggling and striving and trying to manipulate the outcome, trying to get what he wanted no matter what. He even cheated his own brother later on into trading the birthright to Jacob. You know, Jacob, even though he was hanging on to the foot, Esau was still born first. Esau had all the rights of the firstborn son. Esau was going to be blessed by their father. And Jacob later on makes this whole plan to trick his brother, which as slow as you may think Jacob might have been to wake up with the wrong woman, Esau was even slower because Jacob could trick Esau. 
Esau came in, and he was hungry, and he had this appetite. He wanted food, and he wanted it now. Anyone know people like that? Not just food, but everything. There's some people that, I want this, I want it right now, I'm not waiting. Esau came in, he's hungry. Jacob had already been manipulating the situation. He is making some bean soup. He probably had to keep us blowing a, the aroma right out the door. So when Esau was like, so he comes in and, and Jacob's like, oh, what's going on, brother? Esau's like, I'm hungry. So Jacob says, well, I, what a coincidence. I've got a bowl of beans I've been making. And, and his brother's like, give me that. He's like, well, if you give me your rights as the firstborn son, imagine everything, this something so important. If you'll give me that, I'll give you this. So Esau trades everything for momentary pleasure. He had the wrong appetites. He traded everything that mattered, took the bowl of beans, and ate that instead. He lost those rights. Could you imagine? It felt good for a moment, but once the bowl was empty, probably regret set in. Oh, what did I do? And uh, this wasn't even that great. You know, like, this is Jacob controlling things. He even lied to his father. He tricked his father. He put on a disguise and went into his father's tent. He put on like a, a fake beard because his brother was hairier so his dad could feel the face and believe it was Esau, and he gave him his blessing. He was deceitful, trying to control everything, forcing his own way. If Jacob stepped out of the crowd of giants and came down with us today, what would he say? What advice would he give? You know, Isaiah last week told us that an encounter with God changes everything. I believe what Jacob would say is that you have got to let God have control of your life. From, from a man who spent so many years trying to control everything, he would tell us, let God have control of your life. He finally learned it didn't get him anywhere. He, he kept making messes. He kept striving and working hard and trying to get control. He would say there's an easier way. Trust God with your life and let him have control. I have an illustration. Let's do some bird watching this morning, okay? But we don't need binoculars. Here's an eagle. Pay attention to how these two different birds fly. Then a hummingbird. I'm not sure if I've seen these in Indonesia. We have hummingbirds in Alabama, where I'm from. Carrie's mom puts out a hummingbird feeder just like that so we can watch them outside the kitchen window. See the wings? You almost can't even see the wings. The hummingbirds, when you have a hummingbird feeder, do you know what you put in there? Sugar water. You just mix water with sugar and put it... I mean, that may be why it's like, like you want to say cut down on the sugar. You'd think there was coffee in it. Like, what's going on? I need more sugar. I need more sugar. I need more sugar. Look at these two different ways of flying. We can learn a lot from that. I mean, the eagle, he flaps a few times. And then just soaring. The eagle looks so relaxed so cool. It looks so peaceful, right? He's just like, what's up? I'm an eagle. 
a majestic. You know, the eagle's always, you only use the word majestic if you think of an eagle. I'm beautiful. I'm at peace. Just relaxed, floating along. And then you've got the hummingbird. You know, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to, 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 I got to. It's exhausting. Think about your life. There are some of us in this room that may already be eagles. We can trust God and life is easy. We run into some trouble every once in a while, but we trust. Some of us in here, and you know who you are, you're the hummingbird. Your life has been like this as long as you can remember. So stressful, so tired. My arms are tired right now. It's exhausting. You know it if you've, if you've lived that life, if it's, it's wearing you out. Sometimes we even make religion like this. Sometimes we make church and Christianity like the hummingbird. I, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. We're trying to do all the work ourselves and trying to, I got I to gotta make it happen. I got to, I want to get to heaven one day. I got to do everything. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. It's exhausting. Some of you in here, I've talked to you. Some of you have, have tried to live your Christian life like that. It's no wonder every once in a while in church, you'll notice someone's missing. Have you ever been in church and someone you've been there with for years, you recognize, man, Where'd they go? They were trying to do it on their own, in their own strength. Not, not just being majestic like the eagle. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. When you're waiting on the Lord, when you're giving God control of your life, you're mounting up with wings like eagles. You have faith. You can trust. Part of the time the eagle's flying, he's not even doing anything. The wind is there. God put the wind there. He's just floating on it. What's up? You know? It's not even hard. God's got me. I'm, I'm not even falling. I don't even know how I'm flying. Not doing anything with my wings. You know, it's... Think about life, the two different ways we could live it. This verse says, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. You know, we're talking about running this race, this journey that we're on, this, this life that we're living, and we're, we're heading toward a target, toward a goal. And Isaiah's giving us the answer, you can run the race and not even get tired. How many of you would love to run and not get tired? I'm tired right now just from doing this. You know, like, can someone bring me a chair? No, I'm just kidding. He's saying you don't have to get tired running this race with God. It's not meant to be an exercise. It's, it's something you're doing to get to the prize, but it's not supposed to wear you out. You're not supposed to get tired. You're not supposed to burn out being a Christian. Man, I'm just so tired. I'm not going to go to church for a little while. It's hard. It's not, you're not doing it right. Or the problem is you're doing it. It's something God does. It's, it's something he does in your life. Is life wearing you out? Are you, are you tired? Are you weary? And still not getting where you hoped? You may be trying too hard and trying too hard in your own strength. 
because it's not in our strength. We have to have faith. Carrie and I, we like to do the spiritual giftings test. We always score high. Our number one spiritual gift is faith, belief. I may not have any other gifts or skills in my life, but I believe. <laughs> I have faith, and maybe that makes it easy for me. I, I might not be able to do anything, but I have faith that God can get it done. That's how when we came to Indonesia and we were packing up our small kids and saying goodbye to our family, when God said go to Indonesia, we packed up and went to Indonesia. We didn't need years to pray about it or plan everything or try to figure out how we can control this or that. We had faith. If God says go, you go. When God said plant a church, and I felt like I, you know, I don't even know how to do that. But I had faith that God knows how to do it, so we went and planted a church. Faith, living by faith, when you, it, it's just a lot easier. When you live by faith and you've given your control of your life to God, you're flying like an eagle. It's easy. The more control you let go to God, the easier it is. And you just soar. I know that God's way is best. I already know that. So I know wherever God's going to lead me is the best way to go. I don't have to question it. I've learned to trust him even if I don't understand. How many of you can feel familiar with this? Sometimes maybe you have been soaring with eagle wings and you run into a problem. Uh-oh. Then you go back to this. You're soaring. Oh, things are going good. But in, I don't understand what God just told me. I've got to take over. You know? We can trust God, and I've learned to trust him even if I don't understand, even if it doesn't make sense, and I don't force my way anymore. There was a time in my life where if I was trying to go a certain way and I hit a wall or a door that seemed locked, I would keep trying to push at that door, spend a lot of time there, maybe anoint the door with oil, maybe get on my knees and camp out there and pray for a while and keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. But what I've realized in my life is that if God is leading me, and like we read last week, whether you turn to the right or to the left, there'll be a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When I come to a door that's shut, I just turn and keep going another direction. God hasn't called me to push doors open. I go through doors that God opens. A shut door is also God directing. Hey, don't go in there. All right, I don't even want to look at that door. I don't need to know what's behind it. We can let God lead us. Don't force your own way like Jacob did. Sometimes even Christians have a hard time giving up control. Control of our dreams and our future and our plans and ideas. It doesn't mean not having those things, but it means including God in the conversation. God, this is what I want to do, but I want you to guide me, number one. He knows the desires of your hearts. Often he can blend that into your calling and your purpose, your career, money, relationships, trusting God, giving up control of everything. There's a better way of life when you give up control to God. There's things we read in Scripture, nothing is impossible for God. And everything is possible for God. It says, through God who gives me strength, all things are possible. It's not through us. With us, there's a lot of impossibility. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's impossibilities for us. If I look at things I want to do in my life, there's things that are impossible. 
There's things that are not possible for me, but with God and through his strength, there's nothing impossible for any of you. Anything God says he can do as long as we're giving control to him and let him lead us. Through God who gives you strength, nothing is impossible. Even where I'm at today, think about this. I, I became a dad when I was a teenager. I used to use drugs and alcohol, and now somehow I find myself with a beautiful family leading an amazing church. The amazing part is you guys. You're amazing. That's what I'm saying. You know what? But imagine that. I can't do that in my own strength. I couldn't get here in my strength. I had made a mess of things and made mistakes and had problems, but giving control up to God, he brought me somewhere that I shouldn't even be. Carrie and I will celebrate our 23rd anniversary next month, 23 years. After eight months, we were seeing lawyers to get divorced. How do you go from that to celebrating 23 years? It's not in my strength. I couldn't do that. That's coming to the realization of, God, I'm not really good with marriage. I'm going to give you control of our marriage. And we've made it 23 years. And we're going to keep making it. God can heal broken marriages. He can give you a new heart. It's all about it, giving God control. There's nothing impossible if we give God control. How many of you have had those nights where you just can't sleep and you're worried? Or maybe wake up. Sometimes with me, it was more waking up in the middle of the night thinking, how can I do this? There's some problem or something. You know what I'm talking about, that feeling. How can I do this? And often the answer from God is, you can't without me. Think about that. The next time you're up late, worried and stressed out, and you can't sleep because of some situation in your life that seems impossible, if you'll just think for a moment, God, how can I do this? And, and listen for his voice when he says, you can't do it. That's the point. You need me. I've had those moments waking up. What am I going to do about this situation? How am, I going to how am I going to handle this? And God always says, you can't, you can't, you can't. Not without me. We have to give up control to God. If you read in the news or maybe online or something this week, you probably saw that uh, Billy Graham passed away on Wednesday. I think we have a photo. I was thinking about his life this week, you know, obviously. And as I was preparing this message and thinking about Jacob, Billy Graham is known as now one of the most influential preachers of the 20th century. He was 99 years old. This was his 100th year on the earth. And one of the news reporters said that this was a man that lived almost 100 years and didn't disgrace himself. Think about that alone. In a time where we have leaders that are corrupt and celebrity scandals, to have a man that could live on the earth for almost 100 years... And people say, that's a man of God. He has integrity. Wow. That's challenging. He, he preached in person to more than 200 million people in over 185 countries. One man. And then if you add radio and TV and DVDs and all of that, it's estimated hundreds of millions more. To, to the point to where they say now in his lifetime... His estimated audience in person, TV, radio, everything is 2.2 billion people. 
that he shared the gospel with. One man. Do you think that could happen in Billy Graham's strength? Do you think that could happen in the strength of a man? That's a life that has been given to God. That's someone who gave control to God. And the thing is, for every single one of us in here, there's nothing that, that keeps us from leaving the same kind of legacy. It doesn't mean you have to quit everything and be the greatest preacher ever, but wherever God has called you, you can leave a legacy there. You can be, be known for being the one with the most integrity in your field, the most godly person anyone has ever known. You could be a businessman and made on, and people say, I've never seen a businessman so successful that didn't cheat at business. That's a legacy. I could, I've never seen anyone that's, that's been in that area and not failed. Imagine this. When we see a great man or woman of God pass away, it, it challenges us, and it should cause us to ask ourselves, what is my legacy going to be? That's a, that's a great thing for us to ask ourselves. What will my legacy be? What, what are people going to say about me when I'm gone? What, what will be remembered about me? In a, a final article that Billy Graham had, he did an interview shortly before his death, a question and answer, Q&A, and he approved it to be published after he died. And in this, the question was, Mr. Graham, how would you like to be remembered? He said, I hope I will be remembered as someone who was faithful, faithful to God, faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and faithful to the calling God gave me, not only as an evangelist, but as a husband, a father, and a friend. I'm sure I've failed in many ways, but I take comfort in Christ's promise of forgiveness, and I take comfort also in God's ability to take even our most imperfect efforts and use them for his glory. By the time you read this, I will be in heaven. And as I write this, I'm looking forward with great anticipation to the day when I will be in God's presence forever. Man, imagine that. Just that statement of being able to say, I am looking forward to being with God. I'm excited. This was someone near the end of his life saying, I can't wait to be with God. I'm excited. Imagine having that being able to have that feeling instead of, man, I need to take care of things. You know, if you knew you're going to die and you're like, I got to clean up my life a little bit. Wouldn't you rather just feel excited? I can't wait. He was looking forward to it. He said, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. We should be pushed to ask ourselves, what will my legacy be? What will my children say about me? What will my friends tell other people when they're asked, well, what kind of man or woman were they? What will people say? What will I be remembered for? I believe Jacob, just like Billy Graham would say, if you want to leave a positive, meaningful legacy, then you have to let God have control of your life. And when you do that, you'll have three things. Three new things for you. The first one is you will get a new perspective. You'll see things differently. You'll get a new view of life. When you've given control to God and you're not trying to hang on and control everything and you trust God and say, God, 
here's my, here's my hopes and dreams and, and my ideas, but I'm going to let you guide me. You have control. You, you see life differently. You may run across obstacles in life and you see them as opportunities. You may face problems and you can see them as potential. This is a chance for God to do something great. It's a chance for you to show who you really are. Because sometimes in life, it's easy to live a certain way. It's easy to, to say hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God when life's easy. But when we hit those obstacles or problems, then who are you? It's, it's an opportunity. It's, it's potential. God can do something amazing. Carrie shared with me a new worship song yesterday by Matt Brock. And one of the lines really stuck out to me. It said, no power of hell can stand against me because I've seen the fight from the victory. Now imagine this for a moment, and this is what we have as Christians. Imagine when there is a fight or a problem or trouble or a situation coming in our life, usually, and that's right here, we see it from this side, right? In your life, you see this big problem, and you can't see on the other side usually. But when we have faith in God, when we realize we're going to have victory, it doesn't matter what comes in your life, we're going to have victory. It's even one of the things Billy Graham was, was often uh, saying was that I've, seen the, I've read the rest of the book. I've, I've read the end of the Bible. We win. You know, you've probably heard that before. It, when you look to the end, we have victory, whatever it is. When we're on this side and we see the struggle and we see the problem or the trouble, whatever, we have a hard time seeing the other side. And in this worship song, it's saying we can have a new perspective. We can look at the fight from the victory, knowing that we're going to win, knowing that this is only temporary. You're going to get here anyway. What if you just went ahead and looked at it from this side? You're facing the problem and you think, you know what? I'm going to be okay now because once this is over, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to keep flying like an eagle. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to try to take control because I know over there I'm okay. This is temporary. Whatever it is that you're facing, if you're facing things in your life right now and it still looks impossible, it's because you haven't given up control yet. Give control up to God. Imagine that for a moment. I want to challenge you. Every single one of us in here, if you're following Jesus and you've given him your life, you can start looking at the problems from the other side. Look at the fight from the victory, a new perspective, a new way of living, knowing it's all going to be okay even while it still sucks. It's not okay right now, but it's going to be. Knowing that, that God will work it all out for your good even while it's still not good. Thanking God for healing while you're still sick. Praising Him for a miracle before it's come yet looking at things and living life as someone who is victorious because Jesus has already won the victory for us. He doesn't want life to be so hard and a struggle. We just trust him. We trust him. We're saved. We're rescued. We give God control of our life and we see things differently. Realize there is a specific path for your life. My job as a pastor is to help you see. That's my main role as a pastor, is to help you see, to, to guide you in your spiritual journey. Every week we gather so I can say, hey, try looking at it from this way. Try seeing it from Jacob's perspective. That's what I do. 
guide you and help you see it differently. Let's look at God's word and see how he says we should live our life. Get a new perspective. When you give God control, you will get a new identity. Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 24, says, Jacob is all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is Jacob wrestling this man. In Genesis, it says a man, Hosea the prophet later explains, he describes him as an angel. The name that, that Jacob is given later refers that this could have been God that he was wrestling with. But the fact is, this wasn't just some normal situation. And here was Jacob who's always tried to be in control and always tried to manipulate and guide things his own way. He finds himself in this fight. This is Jacob who's always been deceptive and impatient and manipulative. He has sacrificed important relationships in his life just to get ahead. He, he wrecked the relationship with, with his own brother just so he could be number one and he could be successful. Trying to, trying to control everything. And here he is in this fight and God touches his leg in a way to... to move his hip out of socket to get his attention. I'm thankful that God loves us enough to get our attention. At that moment, Jacob quits focusing on just winning, and he focuses on being blessed by God. He wasn't any longer just interested, I got to win, I got to win, I got to win, I got to win, I got to win. He's just like, I'm not going to stop till you bless me. He realized at that moment he could give up control. I just want God's blessing. God got his attention. God injured Jacob's leg to fix Jacob's legacy. I love that in English, legacy has leg in it because that line would not have worked if I was preaching in Bahasa, right? God injured Jacob's leg to fix Jacob's legacy. I'm glad that God loved me enough to get my attention. Sometimes God will allow something to happen in your life to get your attention. He had to get Jacob's attention. He pulled his hip out of socket. That will get your attention. A great man of God dying in our generation, that will get your attention. Maybe I should think about my legacy. Maybe I should think about how I'll be remembered. God will allow things to happen to get your attention. Some of you in here have probably had these times where you are spending your life fighting with God and he's tried to get your attention and you just push past that and he tries to get your attention He's doing that because he loves you. He has something better for you. It's not just, man, why do bad things keep happening in my life? Maybe stop for a second. Is God trying to say something to me? Is he trying to get my attention? God allowed something to break. Jacob's, Jacob's leg would never be the same, but neither would his legacy. He walked with a limp, but he ran as one who had wrestled with God. And here's my favorite part. I'm going to close with this. Could I ask the worship team to come up? We'll continue in Genesis chapter 32. Verse 27. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God 
and with men and have won. This is a situation. I mean, you look at this and here he's just had this encounter with God. Jacob had this encounter with God that was going to change everything, just like Isaiah taught us last week. And then we read this, and this man that's already been described in Scripture as an angel or as God himself in the flesh says, what is your name? Do you think that God didn't know what his name was? Do you think God forgot for a moment? Which one are you, by the way? Jacob. How many of you that have kids do that sometimes? We had, a, we had a talk about this at our staff lunch this week, and Nemo was complaining about how much Carrie calls him Isaiah. Isaiah, I loved your YouTube video. I'm Nemo. Oh, sorry, Isaiah. Nemo. Or maybe you had a brother or sister, and sometimes you were called the other name. I'm Chris. I'm not Doug. If you have a little sister like me, and you're called your little sister's name, that's worse. I'm not Lori. Of course I'm not Lori. God doesn't get our names mixed up. He knew who this was. He didn't really need to, Jacob to tell him his name. What he was saying is, who are you? What kind of a man are you? Jacob, who are you? When Jacob answers and he says, my name's Jacob, he's, he's saying, I am what they've always said I am. I am who they've always called me. I'm the deceiver. I'm a cheater. I'm a manipulator. I'm a liar. After this wrestling, and God says, who are you? I lied to my dad and tricked him. I stole the birthright from my brother. That's who I am. I'm the one that held on to my brother's heel when he was being born. I'm the one always fighting for control and power. That's all I've ever been. That's all I'll ever be. God answers and says, not anymore. Think about this for a moment in your life. When you walked in here today, if someone said, who are you? How would you describe yourself? If you thought about your legacy, what will people say about me? What were those words that came to mind? Were some of them negative? For Jacob, he had known, man, I have not led my life right up to this point. I'm Jacob. I'm the trickster. Not anymore. Not after an encounter with God. I want you to think about this. You will no longer be called those things because I'm giving you a new name. I want every single one of you in this room to know that you are not who they say you are. Whoever it is, you may have in your mind who someone says you are, what someone has called you, what name someone has put on you. Oh, she's this. Oh, she's like that. Do you remember she, she did this or, or he, he did that or I saw him there and he's like this. Whatever that name is, I want you to know that you are not who they say you are. Don't let anyone name you but God. He told Jacob, you are not those things anymore. I'm giving you a new name. He would tell us you are not fearful. You are not hopeless. You are not useless. You are not the mistakes you have made. You are not what you did in your past. You're not a failed marriage. You're not a broken heart. You're not a liar. You're not a cheater. You're not a manipulator. You're not what they've always called you. You're not what you've begun to believe about yourself. When you give God control over your life, He gives you a new name, a new identity. 
Would you stand with me a moment, please? Something may have to break, but God is offering you a chance to have a new legacy. What will people remember about you? Who will people say you are? What is your name? Don't let anyone give you a name but God. When this happens, I want you to think about this for a moment. Jacob's legacy changed so much that when we think about God, we often attach Jacob's name to him. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We think of God as this. Imagine how his legacy changed when God's saying, who are you? I'm a bad guy. I've lied and cheated my way all the way here. I've broken relationships with my family. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. And God changed his legacy and gave him a new identity so that even his very name is attached to God. We serve the God of Jacob. You and I, we serve the God of Jacob. If God can do that in his life and change his identity and change his legacy, what can he do for you and I? Can we close our eyes for a moment? Father, we thank you for your words. Lord, I'm so thankful for the encouragement and what we can see you do in Jacob's life. Someone who had made so many mistakes and you touched him and you changed him in one encounter and made him into someone who had a legacy that would change the rest of the entire world. And let me tell you this, when you give God control, let your perspective be new, let your identity be new, you will also get a new joy. At the end of this, Jacob ends up ending this encounter. He asked, please tell me your name. Jacob said, why do you want to know my name? The man replies. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. God changed him. In that one moment, that one encounter, a new legacy was born in Jacob. A new name was given. Blessed by God, he received a new joy. If you're here this morning and you just want to raise your hand and say, I want to receive that new identity this morning. I am not what people have said about me. I am not what I've done in my past. Would you raise your hand with me? I just want to pray for you new identities. You don't have to be even who you walk through the door as. A new identity today. A new perspective. Father, you see the hands that are raised. Lord, I'm so thankful for the courage of my friends to lift their hands and say, God, I'm tired of being who they say I am. I want to be who you say that I am. I'm not receiving names from anyone else in this world, but I want the name that you have for me, God. I want to live and leave a legacy that will bring you glory. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen my friends. Lord, that they wouldn't leave this place today the same as when they came in, but they are leaving as new men and women of God, men and women of integrity, men and women of faith, men and women who follow the God of Jacob. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us. Could the prayer team come down? If you need prayer,
for anything, our prayer team is going to be up here. Just come down and let them pray for you. If there's something in your life that you keep struggling to keep control of, come up here and say, hey, just pray that I can let go. If you feel like you're just struggling in your life and your wings are flapping like the hummingbird and you're tired and you're weary and you're thinking, man, I just need some relief, come and let someone pray for you. Tell God, I can't do it anymore. I need you. Let him give you rest. Legacies are being born in this place today. I believe that new identities are being given. I want you to think about this because when that happens, when God has given you a new perspective, he's given you a new identity, the old is gone. Behold, you are a new creation, a new person, and you receive this new joy. Let me just warn you that the world is going to come and try to offer you something to trade it all for. Think about this story. We weren't hearing from Esau today because he's not one of the giants of the faith. Esau had it all. He was going to receive the blessing. He was the firstborn son. It was all right there for him. And he traded it because he had a wrong appetite. Just for a momentary hunger. The world is going to offer you something. Would you... You've got a new life. You're going to leave a legacy and some, someone's going to come along and say, hey, take this instead. We could be talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, except for Esau threw everything away for a moment of pleasure. And I promise you, every single man and woman in this room, the world is going to try to offer you the same thing. Single men and women here, you have a dream of what your life, what you want you have a dream of where God wants to take you, someone's going to come along and offer you a bowl of beans. Hey, I'll make you happy. Come with me. Don't take it. It's after the beans are gone, you realize you messed up your legacy. You lost your character. Married people in here, it's the same thing. Someone's going to come along and say, hey, take this. Being in the wrong place at the wrong moment. Being alone with a woman that's not your wife looking at the wrong things, whatever it is, the world will come and offer you substitutes. Take this. For a moment, it looks good. Man, when Esau was hungry, that smelled amazing. The rest of his life, he regretted it because he gave up everything that mattered. Don't let that be you. Father, I pray your protection over everyone here. Lord, today as you are birthing new legacies in our lives, Lord, that we don't have to be who we once were, but we are brand new. We have a focus. We can run and not grow weary. We're not going to, to strive and put all of this effort in our own strength, but we are going to rise up on wings like eagles, trusting in you. We're going to look at the fights from the victory, knowing that whatever we face, we already won. We already win. Lord, I pray your protection that for everyone in here, when the world comes and offers a substitute, we'll say no. We'll turn our backs to it. We won't let anything cause us to give up everything that matters for just a moment. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the example of Jacob. Thank you for what we can learn from his life. Lord, I pray that we would be men and women that would leave a legacy that would make you proud. In Jesus' name, amen.